All right. Well, welcome everybody, and thanks for listening and subscribing to Behind the Screen. I am your host, JT Kane. I'm here with our producer and my very good friend, Matt Corey. And uh, as you guys know, we're here to talk about auditions, specifically orchestra auditions, which, as you know, take place behind a screen, hence the name Behind the Screen. We're very clever that way when we came up with this title. Um, so hey. we hope, yeah, we hope that we hope that you continue. You're still on the script. <laughs> yeah. No, no, we're good. No, I'm off. Finish the now. script. Finish the script, and I'll tell you what I was going to say. Are you sure? Yeah. It, it seems a little awkward now to, to no, do no. It. Go back. Start it okay. like back, like rewind it a little bit, and then finish right. what you're going to say. Which take place behind the screen, hence the name behind the screen. <laughs> and we hope that our discussions and our guests will be a resource. And an inspiration for anyone who is currently taking auditions or really just interested in the audition process. There. Now I'm done. Okay. Well, we're definitely not going to be an inspiration for anyone that wants to do a podcast. <laughs> oh, shit. This is pretty horrible. <laughs> <laughs> we are the inspiration to those people on, that are doing podcasts that don't have this much fun. That's true. What, what I was going to say is that typically... When you're starting your recording of anything, there's always some sort of ceremonious kind of like, okay, uh, we're starting in three, two, one, or yeah. stand by, or whatever. And this is now, I think, our 19th yeah, so, episode yeah. or whatever it is, 18th or 19th. We've never once actually started like normal right. people. Like we it's just kind of bleed into the opening. Mm -hmm. it's, it's awkward. It's an awkward start for me. It's an awkward right? start. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's I've, what you get. When you have an awkward start, is what we just did. <laughs> you having fun yet, Kristen? Yeah. <laughs> Hope you use all that. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the entire time. This is what's going to happen. So <laughs> that's not getting edited out either. I don't have that, time for that. Yeah, no, he's he's absolutely right. You should. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I beg and plead for him to edit some of these things out that I say, and he's like, "Nope, no time for that." <laughs> mm. That's the money. <laughs> well, now I, this is yeah. typically where I read the sponsor message, and I'm not even sure I want to affiliate Insight with this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Insight for the Blind is our special sponsor. You have to. This podcast is brought to you by Insight for the Blind, a very special recording studio based in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where over 100 volunteers produce talking books and magazines for the blind and physically handicapped so that all may read. See for yourself at insightfortheblind.org. Wonderful job. Well done. That was, we, we're killing it today. Yeah. 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 So, uh, I, we have a very special guest joining us today that I'm super glad that she, we could find the time. We went back and forth on, on being able to find, uh, a good time for us, but I want to welcome to behind the screen, the principal bass of Minnesota orchestra, Kristen Bruya. Welcome Kristen. Kristen. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm this is really here. Yeah, and, and typically you would be here in a normal year. You would actually be here in Miami because uh, you are one of our longtime coaches. We've I've been bringing you to Miami for quite some time. And, yeah, and, and, I feel lucky. <laughs> yeah, and and we should mention. I mean, you were you were actually a New World Symphony fellow. Yeah, I was there for four years, two thousand to two thousand four. Wow. Four of the best years of my life. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. That's why I keep telling all the fellows, you guys got to, you got to take this time now and just um, like treasure it because 
Every time I've talked to an, an alum from New World, it's always been like, oh my God, I wish I was back there because it was so great. And it really is. It's just a special place. Okay. So I, I kind of want to just get right into it because um, I was thinking, so you, you were here in the early 2000s. How many auditions during that time did you take? I was trying to remember that last night, actually, <laughs> when I was thinking about doing this with you. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> this is kind of how I... I remembered it. I went into about $20,000 of debt on my credit card taking auditions mm -hmm. in the four years that I was at New World. And usually it was around $1,000 an audition. And it was like, there's no way I took 20 auditions while I was there. But I, it, was, it was probably three to four a year. Wait, did, um, you, say, did you say it's about $1,000? per audition to, to take? Yeah, with a base, um, depending yeah. on, you know, how much of it, I would be charged every time. You know, <laughs> it's it was kind of like, random. It is random, yeah, right? Totally random. But like the, the flight trunk and then your flight and then, you know, the hotel. And oftentimes I'd rent a car just because, you know, with a base trunk and all mm -hmm. that. But yeah, so that was really where I, I started <laughs> what I call my audition career was at New World. 20 is a lot of auditions to take. That's a lot of, well, it just travel, but it's a lot of stress. It's a lot of strain. It's a lot of, you know, like, so, so what do you do? How, like, how do you get through those times where you've either, you know, you've not gotten past prelims or you've gotten to the finals and it's just that you're just that one step away. What do you do in order to kind of get back up? Yeah. The resilience aspect. I think that that's something that I really developed over time, partly it was because I knew that my goal was to get a job in an orchestra. Mm -hmm. And and you just, um, you have to find ways, and I really think it's so individual for each person, but to, to find a way to look at it as what can I learn from this rather than to just get, you know, knocked down mm -hmm. and depressed about it. Because that really doesn't help. I'm not saying that I wasn't really disappointed. And especially, actually, oftentimes when I'd make it to the finals, it was like, what do I need to do yeah. to win the job? And those were sometimes the hardest, um, even though it was like, well, I'm doing the right thing. I'm on the right path. And that was a really nice, you know, it's great to have that as something to help you realize, okay, I'm doing something right. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I was talking to one of uh, one of our fellows who who had gotten into the finals a number of times in different, in different orchestras. And I, and I kept, you know, cause you want to be encouraging. You're like, Oh, that's amazing. That's so great. And she was like, yeah, but I mean, I, but it, 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 she couldn't quite get over the hump. She has now, but she couldn't quite at that time, couldn't quite get over that hump of, you know, making it past, you know, just being in the finals. Is there a secret sauce? Is there something like, what is it? Like, I mean, because you think, you know, you, you learn how to get to the semis and you learn how to get to the finals. You learn how to pace, pace yourself. Right. I mean, because that is part of taking an audition is just kind of going through days or, or a full day or multiple, you know, yep. uh, days of travel. So what, for you, what was, what was that final kind of hurdle that you did? Was there anything specific that you can remember that you did, or was it just the stars aligned kind of in, in, and things worked out. I don't know. I do have a bit of a feeling of stars needing to align. Yeah. <laughs> but looking at each audition as an experiment a mm -hmm. little bit, and with it's also maybe easier said than done to say, no expectations here, except that I'm going to play my best. That's what worked for me, mm -hmm. is to develop 
that my goal is to play my best, you know, and then to look back on each one as like, what can I learn from this? Rather right. than just focusing on whatever you're devastated about. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's really yeah, yeah. more like, what can I take from this to learn from the next one? Because it didn't sure. work out this time. Yeah. Well, yeah. Kind of like yeah. going back, analyzing things, kind of, kind of figuring things, some things out. And, yeah. and we've, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, there's only so much you can control. You can control the way you play, but you can't control that, you know, you, you pick a number that may be right after their lunch, you exactly. know, the panels or so, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. So it's yeah. how they're listening. Um, yeah. What time of day it happens to be. Yeah. And if that lines up and um, those are the things you can't control. And yeah. also that you might've played your best that day. And just what that com specific committee was looking for was just, or, or, or someone else just, mm -hmm. they just shined through a little bit more or something yeah. like that. And, and that's where it's like, um, that can be really hard to just be like, wow, well, I think again, to not take it too personally, even though what this is, is so personal, right? right. It's like, this is me, you know, and you have to put yeah. it all out there. You know, you're standing on a stage by yourself playing excerpts which which just inevitably are just kind of horrible to begin with because it's not you know you're 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 excerpting something out of a piece that should have other things happening around it right that's what that's what makes it a great piece but you're just standing there being vulnerable and 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 asking people to be like yeah i like that versus something else it's so it's such a i don't know arbitrary kind of way of doing it it's it's the way we have right now but you know i i i think when matt and i were talking about uh, doing this podcast, the one thing that stuck to me was that I, I think a lot of people don't realize how um, yeah, how vulnerable a person is standing up there doing this, and how difficult it is to get the to get that reach. There's only a few a few people that that haven't taken you know a number of auditions before they've landed their first job. Um, we don't talk to those people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I know you talked to Natsuki, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> All right, well, Natsuki aside. <laughs> but Natsuki also, though, Natsuki had a few auditions that she had to go through, you know, okay. but yeah. So, but, you know, it is, it's very, it's very, it's very tricky uh, to do this. And it, one thing that I, I'm always fascinated by is, is the process that, that you go through. Like, did, did you have like a routine that you went through for all these auditions? Absolutely. And that was actually part of my experimentation as I mm -hmm. went. It was like, okay. Well, that didn't work. And taking note of all those things, you know, of just even like the fact that was like, oh, my gosh, I forgot to make sure I had food with me or, you know, yeah. the, just a little thing. So actually, by the end of my audition taking, not by the end, but somewhere in the middle, it was like, oh, what are the things I need to do to make myself not have to worry about anything from like even just planning out the timing of working backward from my audition? When am I going to leave my hotel? What am I going to do when I first wake up in the morning? I'd, I would plan it all out so that yeah. there was nothing. And then it was like, um, if something else happened, it was okay because I had planned enough time. Right. You know, I, I really honed my audition taking skills so that I created as much of a circumstance that I could have control over yeah. so that when things went out, it didn't throw me. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's important to have that because you're in a new city or in a in a you know some place you don't know. I used to kind of do the same thing where I would go once I got into the hotel. I would actually go to the hall, check out how long it took. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just know which door I needed to go into so that I wasn't freaking out if exactly. if, if something happened. Yeah, it's it's important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and so, down to the, down to like for me it was um, 
a science of like being in a warm up room. And, you know, a lot of that is the Don Green stuff of, like, the things you can't control in the audition circumstance where, yeah, you might be in the room for an hour when they told you you had 20 minutes, you know, or they might. Actually, I had this happen to me in New York Phil once. Um, I showed up. I was supposed to have, like, a half hour to unpack. They came and said, oh, sorry, we need you to play right now. And I hadn't even unpacked yet. I was like, I fought until they were like, sorry. You have to come right now. Yeah. So I was like, "Wow, I'm in this circumstance." <laughs> yeah. And what are you gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So you know, I just rolled with it, and that's what you, you have to have a certain amount of of just knowing. And that wasn't my first rodeo either. So um, so it was like, "Oh, this is happening," and mm-hmm. I'm gonna just deal with it yeah. and uh, not get get thrown. <laughs> it's kind of like you know being prepared for to play. You know, yeah. you have to be prepared for, for, for anything that happens. So you practice it and, and, and eventually it becomes natural. Yeah. You know, you kind of do it. So when you, when you left New World, what was, what was the first um, audition that you landed? Actually, when I was finished at New World, I had not won a job yet. And I had made it to the finals of a, of a number of auditions mm-hmm. through that time there. So I went back to school. Because, you know, I was like, well, it's still my goal to yeah. play in an orchestra. But what is going to... How am I going to push myself to the next level? So I um, actually went back to school at Rice University, and I was there um, for two years. And you know, again, th- at that point, you know, I was thirty. I turned thirty when I was there, and I was being, you know, there were these kids just playing circles around me, you know. And I was like, <laughs> and, it, it was, it was, you know, it was. There was a lot, you know. It was like, wow, what can I learn from these awesome? young players and friends who you know ended up being friends and um and so i think something that helped me was like trying to have some humility you know even though like you're at new world you think you're a really big deal and then yeah. it's like going back to school was it felt a little bit you know it was hard that's tough a that's little a bit. tough thing yeah sure it felt a little hard at the yeah. time but it was also just like i still need to learn what can i learn from this how can i get better the goal is always like because you never end up being the best. I mean, maybe a few people do, but it's like, (laughs) even now in my job here, it's like, I can always find ways to be better. Anyway, so my two years there, it was at the end of my second year there that I finally won a job. And, you know, and I was making finals still in other jobs. And I I won a job at the Nashville Symphony uh, at the end of my second year. So I started there in the section. What year? So that was in, what year was that? That was 2006. So I started um, section bass in fall of 2006, such a great job and great yeah. colleagues and great time, great place to begin my career. Yeah. And, um, and that was where I, I first served on an audition committee, you know, after mm-hmm. a few years of being there. And I would say, and, and while I was there, I continued to take auditions every year mm-hmm. as well, just because I, um, not that that's not a fantastic orchestra and a great place to have a career, but um, I still felt the drive to um, keep going. Yeah. So I did, and I would definitely say that um, my experience on an audition panel was really eye-opening. Even though I'd, I'd been on many mock audition panels, uh, sure. right? Of course, New World um, and at Rice, we did that too. But yeah, that was... Um, not a game changer, but it was a little bit of just like, what are, how are you listening? You know, 
Yeah, I mean, it's you know, I I, I want to definitely talk about because we're 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 talking this season a lot about being on the other side of the screen and what what it's like there. But I, I, before I get to that, I, I do want to say that I think it's really kind of inspiring for those those people that are listening that are kind of going through that same same um, scenario where where they're you know in their later twenties, maybe early thirties, and they're they're struggling to go through. It's not a bad thing if you go back to school. I think it's. It's important. You got to keep doing. You figure it out. You got to keep going because I know a lot of people that are like, oh, "I'm going to change careers. This is just I, I can't do it." Whatever. Look, we talked to um, Eric Ripple, the, the principal timpani in, in Minnesota uh, last season, and his story about getting back up and keep because he had a lot of similar s- circumstances where he was in the finals for things. He had a lot of trials and just every time you get back up, you give yourself another chance. If you can't get past that hurdle, you know maybe going back to school and try and figure out figure out those things is not a terrible thing. It's actually a really good thing. So I, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was another, like, that was another place where I just took huge leaps in, mm-hmm. in my playing and my musicianship because of the teachers the, and, the, and the, the other students, my, yeah. my um, you know, colleagues, my student colleagues, the teachers I got to work with, and, and also, you know, just pushing myself further like, I'll never forget, um, I actually, I started playing for, you know, so many different kinds of people and players, and I had this woman, I got to work with kids there, I taught um, kids music, which was like an, uh, such a great experience, little kids, like three and four year olds, Yeah. and she was like, you know, you really sound like you need to get the music in, in your body, you know, and so she encouraged me, and I did this, I, um, you know, I rented out one of the, the rooms, or rent, you know, signed out a room, yeah. moved all the chairs out, and I danced around the room, the whole room, <laughs> to to my excerpts, like to the music. Yeah. Uh, to get how that felt, and, and and so anyway, my point of bringing that up is just like so many experimental type things that I ended up doing that I think it all adds up to yeah. you know be, becoming better at what <laughs> what you're doing and what yeah. you're. What yeah, you're yeah. trying to get through in the music? I'm laughing because it, it reminded me of uh, when I was an undergrad. <laughs> in my lesson, I, my teacher would make me march because mm-hmm. my my tempo was so off on <laughs> so many things. I would have to march, and it, that just wow! I hadn't thought about that in some that, time. That's awesome. <laughs> See, I, okay, so I had this idea that if I never got a, a job in an orchestra, or even if I did, that I, I I had this idea that I wanted to go around to orchestras and get people to dance. Because I love dancing. I love yeah. it. I just love it. And that's actually part of my pre-event um, routine before I take oh, an really? audition. Yeah, it's kind of a funny little thing that also makes me laugh. But anyway, I was like, this is just insane that I meet so many orchestral musicians who say they can't dance. Like, are you kidding me? You can't move I'm to one music? Of them. I'm one of them. I <laughs> can't on. dance. <laughs> I could get you to dance. <laughs> I don't think anybody again this this is why we have a podcast and not a TV show. <laughs> so it freed you up but it also made you laugh. So when you did this mm-hmm. before an audition, again something so uh, important before when you're nervous, right? You you you're bound up, you can't breathe and things like that. So is, right. was that one of the reasons why you did that? Yeah, partly. I mean, I was trying to find the things that would relax me before mm-hmm. I go out and play. One of them is, you know, I studied Alexander technique when starting when I got to Nashville, I had a private teacher for like the four years I was there, and then another four when I was in Toronto Symphony. That really helps with relaxing. But also, yes, dancing relaxes me, and I love dancing. And so, what I do before, you know, I was like, I'd 
I'd go ask the proctor, so about how many minutes, you know, I want to make sure that I wasn't caught uh, in my, <laughs> in my warm up room. Cause I put on like my favorite tunes, like, you know, some James Brown or some nice. funk. Yep. So I got yep. some like Michael Jackson in there. I had this like playlist, right? And I would dance around my room to loosen myself up. And also it makes me laugh to think that someone might walk in on yeah. me <laughs> and find me <laughs> grooving and getting down in my practice room. And so, um, that actually, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if that worked for anybody else, but it really was part was part of my um, yeah my little thing that I do. Yeah, it's good though because again, you were I think a lot of people think of, of classical musicians as being very stuffy, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's nice to have you know you gotta you gotta let I mean look I I'm not a dancer but. When I'm by myself or with with my wife and we're we're you know nobody's watching. You can get down. You can I get can down. I can get down. There man. you I'm, go. I'm there you, you go. It's you know I've got video, some video of it that will that will remain sealed in the vault. But <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, nobody's watching, so it's okay. Exactly. It's all right. Yeah. But you also though you um you you study yoga now, right? Yeah, I've been actually. I started um I started with yoga. I'd never done it before. I got to Miami Beach mm-hmm. and. I think they had brought in a teacher, Jenny, I'll never forget her, to teach us in the lobby of the Lincoln Theater. And then I started taking classes at the little place that was down the road from from the Lincoln Center. Mm -hmm. So I started yoga there. And then, then, actually, I took a Bikram yoga class when I was there my second year. Thought it was insane, but one of the (laughs) horn players, Julie Erdman, she took me to this class. And I was like, wow, blew my mind. Um, but yeah, so I started there and then when I was in Houston, I started doing Bikram yoga full time and I've been doing it ever since. So it's been a, been a while. And has, did that help you kind of like focus or, cause I'm, I'm also, I'm very, uh, I'm very into like making sure, you know, we, we practice, you know, our, our, our instrument, but we also need to take care of ourselves. Yeah. Right. And like, you know, and it's really important to, to make sure that you're connected with your body and connected, you know, with your mind. Um, oh. so yeah. yeah, was that something that, that, that helped you kind of get that focus? Huge. I mean, I feel like I could say Bikram yoga, that specific type of yoga mm-hmm. for me in my life is a huge, you know, I feel like it's one of the reasons I have won my jobs. Oh, yeah. Because it is so about focusing on yourself and exactly what you're doing in your body. Um, and so the whole thing about that is you're in a room heated up to like over a hundred degrees for an hour and a half. And you're doing this really simple postures, but it's really challenging. And, and to just know it, it, it really builds focus and determination Mm. within yourself. Um, and so not only that, but evening out your body and taking care of your physical, physical aspect, which as a bass player, I'd say, you know, as any instrumentalist, right. you need to yeah. balance that stuff out. So physically, yes, but almost the mental aspect of that particular style of yoga, I give huge credit to, um, you know, focusing past distraction, mm-hmm. focusing past the anything, but it's just about you right now, right here in this present moment. Yeah. And, and also what I love about that yoga too is that you know often you hear a teacher say it's it's yoga practice not yoga perfect and i think <laughs> that that also helps because we expect ourselves to be perfect and um in what we're doing with our instruments mm-hmm. right and yet there has to be an element of of freedom and 
and the music. It's not about just playing perfectly. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's something that really, um, when you're sitting behind a screen, it's like, um, you can, it, there's a huge difference between hearing someone just play the notes and hearing someone play the music, okay? And so anyway, well, I, I kind of digress, uh, and now I'm like... Yeah, no, no, this is, this is a perfect segue uh, into, you know, what I wanted to talk to you, you know, about, you know, when we, we, you talked about being on a panel and how that changed your perception. But I love what you're saying, you, you know, it's not about being perfect, uh, and a lot of times, and again, we've, you know, with a lot of our guests, you know, they talk about, you know, just presenting yourself in a way that you want to, but it doesn't necessarily, what is perfect, right? What is, what, what does that even mean? So if you miss a note or whatever, you got to keep going, that kind of stuff. So when you're sitting and, and you're in your, you know, behind the screen on the other side, you're on the panel listening to auditions, like, what is it that you're, what is it that you're listening for when you're hearing an audition? Yeah, that's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, I guess I would say everything. I, yeah, like, I know. You know, at first it's like sound, because that's the first thing you hear, right? Is mm -hmm. what is this person, what's their sound? What's mm -hmm. their voice? Um, but I mean, I would say probably mostly is, am I hearing the music? Am I hearing the piece? Mm -hmm. um, and the people who set themselves apart um, it's usually, I'm not, you know, it, it's, I hear someone and it doesn't make me think, oh, their intonation's out, oh, they're rushing, uh, right. you know, it's, oh, harsh sound, you know, it's more like, oh, yeah. I hear Mendelssohn. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. And then, and then it's like, oh, this is Brahms, this, their sound, this is right for Brahms, and then, mm -hmm. oh, they're phrasing this Mozart really beautifully, you know, so I'm actually hearing the piece of music versus, like, the notes. Yeah. And are they, are they not playing the dynamics? And, and, and something that really stands out to me in auditions is people's dynamic range. Um, yeah. And like how many times have we all heard, and I feel, I feel like it's kind of universal, that you play for somebody, you're preparing, whatever, mm -hmm. and they say, you know, I just didn't really hear you doing this. And you're like, well, I felt like I was doing yeah. it. I really, I thought I was doing it. And that's one of the main things. I hear people's range of sound is, is, is the, in general, I, I would say all the people who don't advance, usually it's mm -hmm. like the sound is somewhere between a mezzo piano and a mezzo forte. Yeah. And they probably think they're doing it, but it's like the people who stand out, it's not that I'm sitting there like uh, personally, because, and I will say on every committee I've been on, people listen so differently. Mm -hmm. You know, like yep. each person, and that's why these committees are made up of usually seven to nine people or yep. whatever. It's not so. It's not like I'm just sitting there counting or, mm -hmm. or waiting for mistakes. But the people who who stand out are the ones um, really where it's like I don't have to think. You're right. Are they playing soft enough? Are they playing loud enough? It's just like, oh my god, that's Mozart. Oh my god, this yeah. sounds like the piece. I can right, hear the right, violins right. over this bass line. Yeah, yeah. and so. That's what stands out. The On most. the topic of dynamics, though, I, I feel like when you say dynamic range is something that makes an impression, it also is something that as a player incurs a lot of risk on every instrument to play at the pianissimo threshold and the fortissimo threshold. There's a, a lot of risk involved. So it stands to reason that if you're getting candidates that are up there that are nailing pianissimo and nailing fortissimo, 
that they are they are going to stand out because you know as an experienced musician that that they're risking it right there in an audition and you have a lot of people that are going to try and stay in that box so they don't miss notes and they don't go out of tune and they don't get harsh it's an interesting thing and i don't think anyone's articulated it before but to talk about dynamics is often kind of simple you know like i sometimes get annoyed with conductors that talk about dynamics from the podium like well no shit you know <laughs> you want us to play soft okay we you know we know dynamics it's all printed in the on the page but in an audition it's a whole different thing because you're not with an ensemble you if you get a true, true pianissimo where your instrument is barely speaking and you still have a beautiful sound and you still play in tune, that's going to be impressive to any committee, I would think. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, because that does actually take a different technique, right? I mean, to, to play really, really soft. Um, well, well, you know what happens, like, when you when you try to get too soft and, and the sound just stops. Like... Mm -hmm. You know, it's one thing if it happens in when you're playing in a section, but if you if you're doing that alone on a stage, like that's it. There's no more sound. Yeah, and I I think though that that's also why in the preparation, it's like in your preparation, you have to push yourself to those limits, not just when you're taking the audition, and you have to be honest with yourself. Am I really doing this, or do I just feel like I'm doing this? Um. <laughs> so what do you recommend? Like, I mean, if, if you're, if you're, if you're telling somebody, is it, is it, do, you, do they, you record, they record themselves? Do they, you know, listen back? Do they play in front of other people? I mean, what's, what do you, what do you recommend? Well, I mean, you know, when I ask people, I'm like, so do you record yourself? And people are usually like, yeah, oh yeah, I record myself. You know, you know, maybe when I play for people or like once a week, I'll record myself. Uh -huh. And I just think that's not enough. <laughs> and I mean, for me, I got into this habit of I record myself every time I'm practicing anything and I listen to it immediately. So mm -hmm. I play something, I listen back and I take notes, I play it again, see if I did it any better. And I, I was just talking about this last night um, because I would catch myself listening back and, and just being like, oh yeah, because I thought I did it. And then I'd be like, wait a minute, did I really do that? Is that really soft? Or, you know, am I really getting that accent? Because I feel like I am. Yeah. But it's a matter of, um, I think there's a lot of um, trying to put your ego down, which and I don't even know what an ego is really, but it's like trying to like, you know, be really honest with yourself, not in a harsh way, mm -hmm. but in just a like, just a really honest way. Like, not like, oh, I suck because of this or that, which we all get into, right? But it's, it's more like that's a waste of time. You're wasting your, your mind power and yeah. your everything by being like, oh, I can't do this. I suck. No, it's like, no, just listen. What, what needs to be better? You know, uh, it needs to be softer. Demand it of yourself. Um, yeah. Truth be told, ego derails us at virtually every turn in our lives. Like, so <laughs> again, like if, if you're able to manage your ego when you're on stage alone, um, in an audition situation or when you're alone in a practice room and be honest with yourself without, as you say, like that's such an important thing, not beating yourself up, but just being honest with yourself. Did I do this and not be like, oh, I'm so good or I'm so shit. Um, right. <laughs> you know, the, it's really, it's a really treacherous thing, but it happens 
all the time in our lives. Like our, our, if, if you look at things that have gone well for us as individuals and things that have gone poorly, usually the things that have gone poorly have some root in our egos being in the way. You don't often think of it in like audition prep, but it's such a good point. Like it, it really is. Yeah, and I think to, to that end as well is when you play for people and getting comments from people mm -hmm. um, can be really challenging, but because you're like, oh, well, you know, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to take too much in, you know, from someone what they're saying, or uh, you don't agree with what they're saying, what I they're telling you. Yeah, that's the bigger part is you, you don't agree with them because. Yeah, because whatever. of what, whatever. But, right. um, but I think that also in that circumstance, it's, and also like, okay, do you hear the same comment from many people? If you're hearing the same comment, you really need to check that out. But also just what can I learn from this person and what they have to say? There's always stuff you can take or leave. But especially if you feel a rub, then maybe that's something you should look at, actually. You know? And I think it's the same, like you said, Matt, in all, in all aspects of our lives. You get into an argument with your spouse or your friend or, or a colleague, and, and we're often where that rub comes up against you. Um, I mean, I know this for myself, too. It's like, well, this person's trying to tell me something, and how can I explore that? Yeah. You know, maybe I should explore it and then decide if I agree with them or not, rather than just rejecting the information. Um, so anyway, I, I do think that that can be really helpful in preparing, trying to remain open. Yeah, in, 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 in pretty much anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when you guys, when you guys do auditions, um, do, you, do you guys keep your screen up the whole, the whole time, or does it come down in the finals? Well, um, in, in the Minnesota Orchestra, the, um, each committee... Um, kind of sets their own parameters. Okay. Uh, and generally speaking, I can't say for every audition, but oftentimes here in this orchestra, a screen will be up until the final round. However, the chair of the orchestra uh, of that particular audition could decide to have no screen at all for the whole audition if they wanted to. Uh, oh. I believe. I believe so. I'd actually, I should, mm, I would have to look at our contract exactly, mm -hmm. but but I'm pretty sure that it can kind of be decided by um, by who's the chair of that particular committee. But generally speaking, it's it's pretty normal. I think yeah. now nowadays with um, we're looking, a lot of orchestras are exploring um, to to become more diverse. You know, with the mm -hmm. di diversity, equity, inclusion um, initiatives, uh, our orchestra also is exploring ideas for how to make for more fair auditions. Yeah. Um, so that might, you know, it might be in the future to have a screen up the whole way, but uh, I don't yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. Well, what is Minnesota's tenure? Is it a 16 month? Is it 2 years or is it It's about 2 years. 2 yeah. years, yeah. Do you yeah. guys do like a feedback process throughout that? Yeah, I believe I'm trying to remember here. I think it's like, you know, after the first so many months. Mm -hmm. I forget there was a meeting and then you come in and get feedback from the music director and maybe the chair of the committee yeah. letting you know how you're doing if you need what you need to tweak or what some of the things are or whatever and and a, a thing that's become really popular in our orchestra is trials so yeah, even before you that. start yeah. yeah and i don't know how many other orchestras are doing that these days um and i don't know if how that will change into the future actually for a, a bass audition we had now the 
pandemic has really screwed it up. Yeah. But um, we had two trialists, and that's because I think we couldn't decide between these two candidates. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, let's see how they do. Right, right. Going back to to listening to auditions. So is there is there like an um, like a committee that's designed for like you know if somebody's going to be taking a second oboe audition? They there are different people for that. There's not like a set audition committee, is there? I believe it's our our musician committee, our MOMC is what it's called here. Mm-hmm. Um, they put the audition committees together, and but there are rules oh. for like for a violin audition, there have to be so many violinists on the committee, and then you fill it in. I think it has to be one of each other string. Mm-hmm. You know, for bass, you know, there, you know, there are very specifics yeah, for yeah. which instruments you want on, or are. I think it's actually in our contract, like okay. filling it out and then maybe picking one or two other people. Yeah. How many auditions do you think you've you've listened to when since you've been in, or just in general, like like since you started, you know, maybe even going as far back as uh, as um as Nashville, as Nashville, yeah, yeah, um. I think I was on two committees there in Toronto. I think I was on a percussion committee, which was oh, really, wow. really interesting. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's I, tricky. I, we that I thought, was tricky. I mean, I, it's like yeah, they yeah that cymbal crash was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was actually really cool. It was a, it was a learning ex, a listening yeah. learning experience because it was actually for associate timpani or assistant timpani and percussion. So it was like. We listened to timpani players mm-hmm. and all the percussion instruments, and I really did start to develop an ear for cymbal crashes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, oh, I had no idea. Yeah. But uh, anyway, um, sorry, I digress. No, no, um, that's good. Yeah, I was on a couple there, and then since I've been here, I've been on a lot of violin audition committees. Are you listening differently if it's a different if it's if it's a bass audition for section bass? Are you listening differently than say for principal viola, or is there a mm-hmm. difference between a principal player versus a section player? The way that you're going to be kind of hearing them or or, or you're listening to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's an interesting question because maybe my expect I don't know my expectations kind of are the same. Mm-hmm. Um, Although, because I have listened to a principal viola audition <laughs> versus like a section violin yeah. versus a associate bass, or mm-hmm. it's not like I'm listening differently. It's just it's kind of like what am I? What are we listening to right now, and what are we here for yeah. right now? I think what's harder, and I've been on these kinds of committees where you might have two positions you're trying to fill for like the the principal mm-hmm. and also a section player. That is a more challenging. I see, yeah. Listening experience mm-hmm. because you might have different expectations for a principal player versus a section player. Yeah. And I, I personally don't, having now been on the other side of the screen for that, because I've also taken auditions mm-hmm. where they're hiring for multiple positions. Uh, and I think that, I don't think that that works very well for a committee yeah. to, to be listening because... Uh, but 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 so to, I don't know if that answers your question. In general, no, I don't. I'm not listening differently. Like I have less expectations for, you know, second, right, uh, second violin versus principal viola. I think people that are taking auditions, in general, regardless of the position that they're auditioning for, they could all be. They could all be principal players. The level is that high, I think, nowadays. Whether they're they're playing for the last chair, second violin, or the principal uh, second violin, whatever it is. So a section has two positions. One of them is a principal, and one of them is a section. Would you, as a player, 
play differently for the audition. I mean, I guess you have to prepare differently because you'd have you'd have solo excerpts for the for the principal right uh, mm-hmm. spot and not for the section. But you're still wanting to demonstrate that you are, you know, your character, your 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 personality, whatever it is. And regardless if it's a principal position or not, you shouldn't be differentiating the way that you're playing. Am I am I saying this right? I don't think so. I mean. You should just be playing your very best. (laughs) But I mean, but it's true that there are different expectations Mm -hmm. for a player when they are the principal versus when they are the section. But I don't know how much, I mean, that might come through in your solo playing, Mm -hmm. you know. um, But ultimately, and this is how I think of myself as a section leader, Mm -hmm. I am still just trying to make the sound like I want to sound in a bass section. You know, it's not like I don't think and if I'm when I'm sitting in a section of bass players, I don't want my principal standing out and yeah. sounding different than everyone else. I feel like the role of the principal is to be part of this awesome sound and to be leading the way, but what does leading the way mean? It doesn't mean, you know, playing louder than everybody. You have a section for a reason, right? Right, you're 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 leading the way, but you know when I think about taking this audition, or so I was the associate second chair in Toronto mm-hmm. too. I don't feel like I took these auditions differently than I've taken any other audition because they were for title, and I had taken many other title chair mm-hmm. auditions before. My goal was always just still to play my best, yeah. and I think that that is also where it gets tricky when you're listening to auditionees because I have had that experience. It's like well. This player would might be good for the section, yeah. but I don't know if I'd want them as my principal. So what what does that mean? So maybe I'm contradicting myself here <laughs> by saying that. Just play your best. Yeah, I mean that's it, right? It's yeah, that it's it's that simple. If we could all just do that every single time. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know. I mean, it makes it sound so simple, right? Yeah, just play your best when just you're like best. shitting your pants and, yeah, you know, like exactly. you're sweating and like. <laughs> yep. oh. When was the last time you guys actually had an audition? Gosh, it must have been last winter. We always seem to have um, a violin audition and we had them. And I was probably on that committee last mm-hmm. January, maybe, but. I don't so, know. So you held, I, I think it's great that Minnesota holds auditions in like the coldest time of the year, just to make sure that people can actually like deal like, with it. Deal with it. Yeah. This is what you're going to be living in. If you, you sure you want this? You sure you want it? Yeah. <laughs> the first yeah. time I took an audition here was in January. Flying here with a bass. Oh, that was brutal. It's a beautiful place. It is. It's gorgeous. I love living here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so our next audition, I mean, we had auditions scheduled. I think there's a viola audition. We have unfinished business. Yeah. And let's just, who knows? I mean, there's no way to predict anything right now. Have you guys talked about doing any kind of virtual auditions, like for like prelim rounds or anything like that? Not that I'm aware of, though yeah. I'm not on the orchestra committee to know if that's something they've discussed or not. I mean, I think it's an interesting idea, especially if it was everyone, mm-hmm. you know, everyone had to do that round first. Yeah. Um, because I, we had had that conversation when you had invited me to be part of that panel, the audition panel. Yeah. Cause, because we did that here. We had our prelim round as a tape round. Mm-hmm. 
I was thinking, well, I want to save all these bass players from having to actually come here. <laughs> and I, you know, and, and, and as other people spoke, you know, Boston and who else does that exclusively? I think New York gives you the option, the option yeah. to do that. Um, I kind of feel like if we were going to start doing that, you know, everyone would have their prelim right. round. Nobody starts in, in a second round. You know, you don't screen the resumes and put mm-hmm. some people in mm-hmm. the semis and to start. Yeah. That might be a more fair way to do it. But I think as we spoke of in that, it is so challenging because those, it has to be so much more perfect um, in a way. Because I remember when we listened to those and one of my colleagues said, they had, they had a lot of time yeah. to make a recording. And if, you know, this is what they decided to send in yeah. and it doesn't sound very good. <laughs> right, so, yeah. you know, it's like, well, I, it's not perfect. It, it, there's a more of an expectation when you're listening to a recording mm-hmm. for, I think for perfection. And because this is, you know, it's not like the moment and you're, there's so many variables and all of that kind of stuff. Right. There might yeah, still no, be yeah, variable variables for you, but um, yeah. I don't prefer that style of listening to people. Um, mm-hmm. And it is so much more obvious in a recording. And you can also rewind it over and over. <laughs> yeah. not, not that an audition committee does that. Um, there were a few instances where, where we would have a, could we listen to that again if someone really wanted to sure. hear it again? But I hope that we can have Kristen back again because I would like to talk about how rare it is for one person to win a job in one orchestra, but how even more difficult and rare it is to have a husband and wife win a job in the same, in the orchestra. same orchestra and <laughs> yeah. end up in the same space. So yeah. I, I, I know I want that for my buddy JT here. I know that <laughs> he, and, he and his wife are apart. Wow, where is she? Lisa is the principal um, orchestra librarian at Juilliard. Oh wow! Good for her. Yeah, yeah. So, both have really good jobs, and it's 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 hard to hard to give that up. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I know Kristen and Andy have been together since the New World days, but they managed to wind up. And Andy plays the bass trombone. Yeah. Got it. And yeah. they managed to end up in the same orchestra. That like blows my mind, me and it's too. amazing, and it makes me so happy. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. It blows my mind too. I still pinch myself about that. Like, how the hell did this happen? Yeah, that's yeah. great. That's really awesome. And yeah. he's a great guy too. Yeah. Yeah. Tell him we say hi. I will. I will. Yeah. I made him stop playing bass trombone just because I was like, it might come. <laughs> it might come. It might through. bleed through. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah, know if they want to hear that. <laughs> talk about playing, you know, soft and loud. I mean, you know. There's there's a dynamic range you can you can really get because there's no might bleed through like <laughs> yeah. that's gonna bleed through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the neighbors are all right again. Yeah. <laughs> but Kristen, it was so great to to talk to you and thank you so much for for uh, kind of you know giving giving us a little insight uh, to the audition process. Yeah, thank you for having me. I I feel like I contradicted myself. I. Uh... Probably confuse some people. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I didn't say everything I wanted to. <laughs> I, I don't think you did either of those. I don't things, think you so. did either, but it's good. I, I the shit that I say confuses a, a lot of people, so this is good. At least I have at least I have someone else who can help me can kind of back me up here. So thank you for for at least for, for that. 
But no, this has been great. Thank you really again, fun. Kristen. Thank you for um, for being here. Thanks everyone for for listening and subscribing. You know, send us an email at uh, screenisup at gmail.com. Let us know who you'd like to hear on the show. Um, you can also send send me an email on, on Facebook or, or whatever. Shoot me a text. I think everybody's got my number. Don't shoot me anything. <laughs> yeah, don't leave, leave Matt out of it. <laughs> yeah. Send all those messages to JT. That's right. I'll, I'll take them all. I'll, I'll yeah. I, I may not read them. I may delete them in, instantaneously. But, you know, send them anyway. We want to hear no, from you. No, you'll read them. Trust me. I will. I will for sure. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for being here, Kristen. Thank and, you. Uh, you know, we'll, 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 we'll talk to you soon. Bye.